Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So the other morning I was sitting at breakfast and my sweet husband David texted me a link to an article and I sat there and I read it and my mind was blown and I did some more online research and Googling to sort of figure out and ramify the effects or the impact or the uh, yeah, the consequences, the implications, that's the word I'm looking for, the implications of this research for someone on a bright line eating journey. And I knew right then and there that I was definitely gonna shoot a vlog on that topic. So here we go. So the article was published uh, November 29th in the journal Current Biology. And the study was done, it's a series of studies, and they were done by researchers at Caltech, California Institute of Technology. And the research has to do with the effects of the gut microbiome on binge eating behavior uh, and overconsumption of sugar and hyperpalatable foods specifically. Uh, the research was done in mice. Uh, mice have remarkably similar eating behaviors and uh, eating disordered behaviors <laughs> as human beings. Uh, it's, it's quite easy to induce the sort of um, uh, binge eating behavior and so forth that human beings experience in mice. You just have to give them access to human food. You give them access to Fruit Loops and cheesecake and pizza and suddenly they turn into obese binge eaters. Shocking. Anyway, um, there's a lot of research showing that the digestive systems and the brains of mice when it comes to feeding are very, very similar to humans. So. Anyway, they did this study in mice, and here's what they did. The first thing they did was they exposed these mice to antibiotics for four weeks. Four weeks of antibiotics and wiped out their gut microbiome. And then they gave them access either to regular uh, mouse chow, which is just these little pellets, you know, balanced nutrition for mice, or little sweet pellets, little hyper palatable sugar pellets. And the mice in the uh, state of having their microbiome wiped out who got access to the sugar pellets overate them massively. So ate 50% more of those sugar pellets in a two hour span of time, ate more, ate faster, demonstrating binge eating behavior. Interestingly, they would eat a normal amount of of mouse chow. They didn't want any more of real food. <laughs> they only wanted more of the sugar. So then the researchers were curious, like how similar is this to real binge eating behavior where someone will go to great lengths to get the foods that they want to binge on. And in fact, these mice would go to great lengths. So they did a little experiment where they had the mice um, have to work for those sugar pellets. So it was like press a lever to get a pellet, 
then press the lever twice to get a pellet, then four times to get a pellet. And eventually, the mice that had not had their gut microbiota wiped out by the antibiotics would get tired of pressing the pellet to get some sugar. I mean, a, a normal mouse will press a pellet to get a press a lever to get a sugar pellet for sure. I mean, they like sugar pellets absolutely, just like human beings do. But in terms of like, will they be able to expend a lot of effort for it? Will they go above and beyond to get more, more, more? Uh, not so much. The mice who had the normal microbiome would get tired pretty quickly of pressing that lever more and more and more times to get that sugar pellet. But the mice who had their gut microbiota wiped out would keep pressing that lever to get the sugar. They needed it, they needed it, they needed it. Indicating, you know, the sort of, that's, that's a standard sort of um, assessment of effort, motivation, but also addiction, right? How much does someone need the next hit? So those mice really demonstrated that. Now, interestingly, uh, once you restore the gut microbiota, the binge eating of sugar goes away. So they did fecal transplants on the mice where they restored their gut microbiota and suddenly the mice acted just like regular mice where they would you know, eat some of the sugary pellets, but not 50% more and way faster and you know, that sort of binge eating behavior and not needing to press the lever over and over and over again, right? So um, then they did an interesting twist on this where they experimented with different antibiotics which affect different aspects of the gut microbiome. Um, and it didn't sound like these researchers were, you know, super experts on all this stuff, but they just tried different things and they're like, well, different antibiotics target different things. And what they found was that um, they could in particular restore the, the microbiome by making sure that the mice had the microbiota from the genus Lactobacillus, Lactobacillus. So this is where I hopped on uh, the internet and I was like, is lactobacillus in yogurt? I was pretty sure it was and sure enough it is. Then I googled, is it in tempeh? Yes again. Is it in sauerkraut? Yes again. It's in fermented foods in particular. And I thought, isn't that interesting? So let me just put a bookmark in that study uh, for a second and go back and tell you a little bit about the history of food recovery and the bright lines. I've been clear uh, and open and, uh, and transparent all from the beginning about the origins of some of the specifics of the Bright Line Eating Food Plan and the general sort of way of eating and how it comes from 12-step roots, right? Um, I've been in 12-step programs now for 28 years. Um, clean and sober from drugs and alcohol. And I first started a 12-step food program a year or less after I got clean and sober. When I, was 20, uh, when I was 21 years old, I marched myself down to my first food meeting. So several decades ago, Overeaters Anonymous, which was the original 12-step food program, which was born in January of 1960, that's when it was formed. But a while after that, meaning several decades ago, Overeaters Anonymous uh, passed a motion at the World Service business level where they forbade the distribution of specific food plans at their meetings. They, prior to that, had given out specific food plans. And what was uh, recommended to eat at breakfast? 
yogurt, <laughs> yogurt, um, as a protein serving. I mean, it was probably one of many options, but yogurt was often recommended. Now, once the food plans went away in OA, specific strains of people who were, or lineages, if you will, who were working a program and were really recovering and had physical recovery and peace of mind around food, they didn't want to live in a world where they couldn't pass out food plans to newcomers coming to meetings. They thought, you know, the, the real clarity about what to eat, what not to eat, and how to eat was the foundation for recovery. Just like you couldn't imagine going to an AA meeting and, and being told, well, you can decide for yourself whether you want to drink or not. It's like, no, we need to be clear about what abstinence is. And, you know, in all of my explorations, because, you know, I've just hiked long and hard through the research Rockies, figuring things out for myself and, you know, visiting different groups and seeing how they do it and noticing how different people work their program and what works and what doesn't work. I have often found myself discovering or running into the scientific reasons why these particular lineages of people were so successful and how they worked their program. And this article was such a light bulb moment because there really are people who pass on the uh, guidance to the people they work with in 12-step recovery to eat yogurt for breakfast. Eight ounces of yogurt is a protein serving and eat yogurt. Don't eat eggs, don't eat cheese, don't reinvent the wheel, eat yogurt. Eat yogurt and oats and a fruit, that's breakfast. And um, I've come, I mean, I eat yogurt and oats and a fruit, that's my breakfast too. And um, it's so interesting to stumble on research that validates that. Now, I'm no expert in probiotics and prebiotics and so forth, so, you know, Google away, see what works for you, but it does seem to be clear that having a healthy gut microbiome is one of the essentials of recovery, and it seems clear that to have, you know, a peaceful experience abstaining from sugar binges in your Brightline eating journey, you want to make sure that your gut is healthy and you know, consider having eight ounces of yogurt for breakfast, consider eating tempeh for lunch and or dinner, consider having some sauerkraut as part of your vegetable serving. Uh, yeah, really pay attention to the gut microbiome. We know that the gut influences so many things where you'd have to be living under a rock at this point to not be aware of that. But uh, yeah, good to know for those of us who are prone to really eating a lot of sugar when we go off plan, this is one of the things that can help. So that's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Brightline Living. Please post a review and subscribe to our channel. Interested in learning more about Brightline Eating? Visit ble.life slash podcast to find out more. ble.life slash podcast. Have a bright day.